This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, healers. It's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and the platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user-friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free, so hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone, and it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So... It really is such a user-friendly platform, and the coolest thing is, is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes, too, and the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. Go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through, while giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Allison Sepinara. And we are so happy to be back with episode four. Today is an awesome healing episode, sharing all the anxiety healing toolkit tips, tricks, and Allison sharing some stuff from her book. We are so excited to get into it. So Allison, yes, get us started with how to start creating your anxiety healing toolkit. Well, first, I want to say that I'm so excited for this episode. I think it's way overdue because we've got I've gotten so many requests to yes. talk about like healing tools and strategies and exercises that have been scientifically proven to heal the nervous system and so I can't get through all um hold on let me see uh 300 pages of my book but <laughs> <laughs> but you can go to the show notes and purchase your own but I am going to talk about kind of like the bullet points of what it takes to create a toolkit for yourself that's really healing. And I want to make sure that I stress the fact that everyone's healing toolkit looks different. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. And I just, I cannot say that enough. I feel like I say that probably every day on my page or my stories. No, I know. I feel feel you on that. Right? It's like everyone's anxiety looks different and everyone's healing toolkit Mm -hmm. and healing looks different. So some of the things I suggest today, um, like maybe some of the exercises or strategies, they might not work great for you. Some of the other ones might work awesome. I'm going to talk a little bit more about kind of what's in my toolkit. Um, I won't focus too much on myself, um, but (laughs) just kidding. Um, No, but I'll talk a little bit about my my, uh, healing toolkit. And then 
kind of just give you guys a, a little bit of a um, guide on how to really make yours the most effective that you can. Um, because really, the bottom line of healing is just to sort of like accept that you're going to have certain triggers and that certain exercises or certain strategies might not work every single time. And it's really just about understanding and being aware and making a habit of healing and like practicing a lot of these strategies, even when you're not anxious. Right. That's the biggest thing. Something um, that actually just hit me ahead. recently was the difference between doing the work and then like uh, reassurance techniques, like when you're in a panic, because when you're in a panic attack, it's not time to do the work. And so I actually just like recently was like, okay, wow, there's the difference between some people I feel are putting like putting ice, holding ice in your hand or like biting on a sour candy in their toolkit. But that's more of like when you're in that panic attack doing those things. That's more of like a reassure, like a, what would you say the word is? So not, not a reassurance technique. So here's like what's a, interesting. Um, so it's like a, it's like a self-soothing or a regulating. Self-soothing. There you go. Right? Regulating. Well, here's the thing. So poor Taylor hasn't even gotten a copy of my book yet, and she supposed, was supposed to get it uh, like a year ago, and uh. something might have, must have happened with um, people that my publisher was sending them to and didn't get it. So it's on the way again. I'm sending it to her. Um, so you don't have it in front of you, but I will say that – um, all of those types of like, whether it's a distraction idea or um, some self-soothing tools, those are definitely part of your toolkit. There's huh. a lot of different things that are going to be part of your toolkit. For example, like your support system, that's a part of your toolkit, right? So I'll kind of dive into like the different parts of that make up a toolkit. And, and again, everyone's looks different. So some people might not struggle with like panic disorder. So they might not say they might, the ice or like the self-soothing tools might not apply to them. That's okay. Right. But that definitely can be part of someone's toolkit. Like um, the, like for me, I mean, I have a lot of tangible items that are part of my toolkit, like my essential, my peppermint essential oil, um, you know, the ice that actually helps me, right? When I'm feeling heightened. But but before we get into like all their strategies, we need to learn what it looks like to actually know when and how to use these tools. Because you're right. It is about doing the work before to know mm -hmm. like when we're getting to a level of stress. Because people with that have panic attacks, they say they come out of nowhere, but there is always a trigger. Mm-hmm. Like a buildup over time. That makes no, sense. I, I, yes. I feel you. I think for so long, I, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, is you don't start doing anything to help yourself until that panic attack hits. And then like, you're like, oh my gosh, what do I need to do? Like, what will help like right now? And then once the panic attack is over, you almost like forget what it was like. And then you just kind of go about life hoping it went away, right? And then your panic attack happens again. And so for me, I did that for about a year. I did nothing to help myself. And then I'd have a panic attack. I would panic. What can help me? You know, like crying. And then I got to this point where I realized, okay, something's got to change. And I have to do the work outside of the panic attacks to help me in preventing the panic attacks and then during the panic attacks. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that this episode is, will lead you all to understanding more about um, your own um, self-regulation and dysregulation and kind of a huge part of that is going to be something I'll talk about um, later on, which is how to rate yourself and rate the anxiety you have. So first I want to talk about, you know, one of the, the first steps that you'll, you'll want to do is to um, educate yourself. So it's really important to kind of learn more a little bit about what anxiety is. You know what I mean? And, and like from a, from a clinical perspective, it can be, it can be good to kind of do some research about what anxiety means. I mean, honestly, a lot of you listening might, might be t asking yourself, you know what, what actually is it? Because it does look different for everybody, but there is actually like some diagnosis in the DSM for anxiety disorders, right? So like generalized anxiety disorder is probably the highest 
from what, who I see in my practice and the people that I've worked with. Um, and generalized anxiety is is something just to learn a little bit more about if you want. I'm not going to like read all the criteria right now. Um, but essentially, if you think of like the stress that we have in our daily life, right? Like what are some things that you think in our daily life creates stress? Just I think some people's brains just naturally are overthinking every situation and they don't even realize it. Like some people are just naturally on that wheel all day. So I think just like even waking up for some people, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm about to start the day. And then something bad happens and then you take that and you kind of bring it into the rest of your day. Yeah. That's what it was for me. So, so yeah. So you're kind of like um, saying, you know, our, our, our brain patterns we're kind of uh-huh. in like a hypervigilant, like fight or flight state, right? It's like some people, and that can be part, that can be one factor, which is biological, right? Some people are just mm-hmm. predisposed to have a certain type of brain that maybe doesn't mm-hmm. make some of the chemicals that, you know, you need to feel more balanced, like dopamine and, and serotonin and all that to feel calm. Um, and that's true, but that's just one factor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so biology. Um, also, there's, you know, your family dynamic can kind right. of um, create stress or you can, you know, everyone grows up in different dynamics with their family. Some people might have experienced trauma in their life. That can p- be a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> work. Work. 100% work is a factor. School, right? Like social mm-hmm. social situations social, yeah. and socially relationships. Having to leave the house. Having, yep, having to leave the house. Um, and so – all of these are different factors that kind of contribute to levels of anxiety and depression. Now, remember, anxiety and depression, I've said this before, but anxiety and depression I like to describe as kind of like siblings. Yeah. They're um, very closely connected. Um, and a lot of the way that we think when we're anxious and depressed, a lot of the thoughts going through our mind look very similar, but the symptoms look different. Mm-hmm. So they're very connected a lot of times. Um, but yeah, finances a lot of times create stress. Um, we talked about like relationship school, but, uh, but, but the difference between someone who has like an anxiety disorder versus, um, is, you know, just overwhelmed is that that person actually has a way to manage that worry right. and manage that stress. It doesn't last that long. You know, they don't have a lot of physical symptoms that maybe are connected to their stress and anxiety. Um, and they can, they can feel pretty balanced pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Those of us with anxiety, <laughs> our thought patterns are like continuous. We ruminate about things. We overthink things. Um, we can catastrophize or think the worst case scenario. Um, we feel really out of control a lot in our life. And we constantly feel like we're on edge. So that fight or flight almost like never goes away. Does that like right. make sense? Have you felt... Has that Absolutely. Been like-, like even just today, my husband has to do like this big thing with work. And so he's like, I'm nervous about it. But for him, it's like he's nervous and then he'll get over it. It's like his nervousness is just like a, I'm nervous. Do you know what I mean? And then for me, it's like I spent the last 24 hours overanalyzing how this meeting's going to go. And then I'm getting to the meeting. I'm sweaty. My heart's racing. All these symptoms, right? Whereas he he's nervous, quote unquote, but his nervous is just like, okay. We're here and now we're just going to go on with life. I'm like, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to die. This is so terrifying. Like, And then it just keeps going. Worst case scenarios. Yep. Yep. And so all of this is really good to know. This is, a, like I said, the first step, like educating yourself. Educating mm-hmm. yourself about like what anxiety looks like for you, what kinds of things in your life are stressful for you. Um, also, learning a little bit more about the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack is really helpful. Okay. So- a panic attack is something that comes on very subtly, suddenly. It is um, very much connected to the physical senses, right? So when we're having a panic attack, it's very physical. So like, what did you say happened to you when you had panic attacks physically? Oh gosh, everything. Like every symptom you can think of, I felt like I felt like Na- I was, it was, it was straight yeah. up, I need to go to the hospital. Uh, heart racing, chest pain, dizziness, always saying, I feel like I'm going to pass out. It feels different this time. Uh, just that impending doom feeling, like the tunnel mm-hmm. vision. You start going to like a different place with derealization, depersonalization. 
it just feels like an immediate need for attention, like medical attention and things aren't okay. I'm either having a heart attack, a stroke or something bad's going on. It's just like that, that feeling of impending doom, you know? Exactly. So it's like, you know, impending doom, but like all those physical symptoms and it comes, they, they're very intense and they come on fast, right? Yes. Majority of the time, if you're listening to this and you've experienced panic attack, you've thought at one point that you're having a heart attack, that like mm-hmm. some, right, that something serious is happening. Um, and the truth is you can never die from a panic attack. That's right. the biggest, that's the m- biggest reason why a lot of people go to the ER because they think they're dying. Mm-hmm. And the panic attack will never actually create death, right? If there's some underlying type of medical reason or something happening, that's a different story. But we're talking about just the actual panic attack. No. Um, an anxiety attack just is prolonged. And it you can still feel these physical symptoms, but they're almost um they're almost like not as intense. And they're kind of just there all the time and you have these thoughts, but you can go about like your day-to-day um, you kind of just feel on edge all the time. You might have, you know, a racing heart a little bit more on one day than not, but it's not like it doesn't come so intense. It doesn't come on. And, and it's just, um, it's kind of just there. And mm-hmm. if you, if you're listening to this, you kind of know what I mean by just saying that. Um, and so being able to kind of look into that, I talk a lot bit more more about the differences and stuff in my book. So, so if you want to learn more about that, but honestly, you could just do research yourself too online and just kind of, kind of let yourself know. Now, obviously, it's like a slippery slope sometimes with people that have anxiety. Like they just want to like learn everything to because so much of us want more control because having anxiety is is basically feeling loss of control. So I want you to just be careful with that, that you don't go down a rabbit hole of like, oh my God, maybe I have this anxiety or this anxiety. So just you have a lot of this is about self-awareness. Like don't Mm -hmm. go into like this rabbit hole. And hopefully if you're working with a therapist or psychologist, that person is the one that can actually teach you about these things. Like you don't actually have to go do research yourself. I do so much psychoeducation with my clients. It's like a huge part of our sessions. I teach them a lot about it. And that's all. That's the, what they need to know. They don't need to go home and like research on their own. So I would say maybe just inquire with your therapist about it if you want to. Um, anything more to say about that? That's like my first suggestion is educating yourself. I think that's good. Step one. Step one. Okay. Um, step two, and the one that I kind of was talking the most more about earlier. And what I think is going to be one of the most important parts of creating your toolkit is rating your anxiety. What do I mean by that? What do you think I mean by that, Taylor, when I say that? Like where you're at on the anxiety scale of one to 10, like, okay, you know, like right now I'm kind of a four and then in an hour, if I'm like kind of a five, okay, I'm building up, right? How can I nip this in the bud before it gets to an eight? And then when I get to that eight, there's no, you know, like when you get to that really irrational state really doing the work is really hard. You don't really think you're having a panic attack. So it's hard to be like, let me do my anxiety techniques when you are so convinced you're dying, right? You're like, I'm having a heart attack. I don't think like holding ice right now is going to be what I need. I need to get to the hospital. So kind of catching where you're at. So why would it be important to learn how to rate yourself like consistently? I think it's just like good to because you're checking in on yourself to see because a lot of people are like oh that panic attack happened out of nowhere but in reality you know earlier this morning i was a six right yeah so that panic attack really didn't happen out of nowhere uh billy was mean to me susan picked on me at school all these things kind of contributed to this buildup of my anxiety rating scale and i see that now looking back because i checked in on myself all day you know i woke up with a three and then i was a six and now i'm an eight and so really was that panic attack out of nowhere or was it a build-up all day long and now i see oh it was a build-up all day long i love this i love this that is exactly why it's important yes and um I'm going to I'm going to read actually an excerpt out of my book cuz I put an example in here and um it actually says something similar to what you were saying but it's really um really clear of how the rating scale works and why it's effective. Um 
and then I'll kind of get into and and the rating scale the both rating scales that I have are in my book. I have a rating scale um when you are anxious and then a rating scale of w- like from 1 to 10 when you're anxious like what healing tools to follow um when you're on a certain number and like kind mm-hmm. of <clears throat> what how you know what you should practice how many you should practice like the recommended one um in the book so that that could be helpful too but i'm going to read this okay so here's an example sarah woke up at 3:30 a.m. and couldn't get back to sleep she had to be up for work at 7 a.m. sarah knows that she feels irritable and anxious when she doesn't sleep well and she also has a huge presentation at work that day Sarah got out of bed at 6.30 a.m. and immediately rated her anxiety at a four. Sarah knew that she would soon be a five or a six when she got into her car and started driving to work. Sarah decided to look into her healing toolkit and practice a couple of strategies. Sarah completed a 10-minute guided meditation specifically tailored for work stress relief and also reminded herself to practice square breathing. After this, Sarah's anxiety went down to a three, and she felt ready to take on the workday. Sarah also continued to practice deep breathing and took several, several breaks throughout the day to get some fresh air. Before the presentation, Sarah practiced positive self-talk and said to herself in the bathroom mirror, you've got this, and if you make a mistake, don't worry. I still love you, and you're a rock star. Sarah's anxiety never went above a four the rest of the day. So that's just like, and it kind of in the same example that you said, right? Mm-hmm. Where having this, having checking in with yourself, right? Um, and I, you know, work with my clients to um, encourage them to do this daily check in two to three times a day. Um, so waking up in the morning, what are you on the scale? Midday, where are you? Before you go to bed, where are you then? Um, and just getting a sense of really connecting your mind and your body to understanding where your body's at and like kind of things that you're feeling in your body at the same time and giving them the recommended um, healing practices to use when they are feeling. Now, I think that it's if you um, if you're someone who. Well, OK, I'll just say this. I have some clients that, you know, they come see me and they like, okay, I wake up automatically at a six or seven, right? They're in this constant state of fight or flight. Well, our work is a little bit different together mm-hmm. because I'm kind, I'm trying to teach them self-regulating skills and how to actually like regulate their nervous system. And we do that together and we practice it together <laughs> because sometimes it's hard for them to do it on their own. And so that's what we do together. And then I teach them, you know, I give them kind of like a schedule of, when to practice these tools at home. So they kind of have a guide. So I don't just say, hey, do this and then come back and let me know. It's kind of good to give yourself some structure and and say, okay, at like 10 a.m. I'm going to practice this for 10 minutes. Schedules are good and routine is good for people with anxiety if you didn't know that. <laughs> no surprise, people with anxiety like structure and they like predictability so they know like what they're doing. Um, but it can be really good practice to just start start putting into habit rating yourself on a daily basis two to three times a day mm-hmm. and recognizing that, okay, this is when I need to use these certain tools. And, you know, the rest of my book is going to be that how to, how to create the toolkit is – we'll get into that. We'll get into that, like what – how to do that. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, any other – like what do you think about that? I mean, it sounds like you kind of do that already. I'm a very – I like to, like, write things down or I forget. It, especially when I used to have panic attacks, I would almost black out and not remember how it was, like, the week later because I would have a, the same panic attack a week later. And I would be like, no, this time it's different. And I would swear I've never felt this before. But in reality, I had felt it before. You really do kind of – it's that trauma response in a sense of, like, blacking out what actually happened to you. And Mm -hmm. so writing things down, I love the notes pad in the uh, iPhone, you know, like just clicking notes really quick. And so for me, checking in throughout the day involves doing that and keeping a track because sometimes you might be like, sometimes you really didn't have a, a, there was, today was a great day, right? Everything went great for me. Recognizing that too. Some people, 
Some people have anxiety when things are going good because it's almost like things are too good, something bad is about to happen. Mm. And so seeing those patterns of what your triggers are, because everybody's so different. So it might not be that buildup. And that's when people get most scared is when they're like, everything's going good in my life. I have no reason to be panicked. But it's like maybe that is your trigger is that you are you have a fear of when things are good, something bad's going to happen. And maybe that relates back to something in life when things were really good, something bad happened to you. Yeah. So I think just like that's why keeping the notes in my phone is so important because I can see how my triggers look and, yeah. and what, what it's like for me. So I think everybody yeah. should do that. Yeah. And triggers, triggers is going to come in, like how to identify them that comes in at like number five. And we'll talk a little bit more about how to do that. But um, as far as the rating goes, I think um, that's all connected. It's going to make you so much more aware of like where you are being triggered. Because if you wake up and, you know, like this girl, Sarah, um, she was already, she already was able to identify, wow, I'm like at a four right now. Um, and she knew how to like pull from her true kid and like what to use. And she, you know, she knew that she was aware that she had this presentation that day, right? She knew that that could have, that was a trigger for her and that she didn't sleep a lot. Like those are both, I know, I know people have different opinions about the word trigger, but that just makes sense to me. Um, so I know that trigger to me means like, uh, this affects me negatively. That's what trigger means to me. I, I, I mean, I know everybody think I, I, I feel you, but to me, it's like when we use it, it's like uh, X and Y affects me negatively. So that's my trigger. Yeah, yeah, and and like any kind of like situation that might make you have certain like uneasy Reactions. emotions, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so like, you know, in that example, it was a work presentation and she didn't get a lot of sleep. And so she was already mm-hmm. aware. She was like, okay, I know this is, this is part of why, but that doesn't mean that, you know, my day is ruined, right? Mm-hmm. Here's what I can do to kind of help myself. And she got through it. Again, it's not always going to be like, yay, it's just easy. Let me pull from my toolkit. Not every <laughs> day is going to be like that, but it really, the exercises that she decided to do have been proven to regulate your nervous system, right? Like meditation and the square breathing. I mean, there's science behind breathing exercises and breath work. And so the more you do it and you're, and it's like creates a habit for you, you're going to feel more regulated. It's just how it works, how your, how, how the biology of our body and our mind works. Um, okay. So Number four, so we have educating yourself, rating your anxiety. Um, oh, wait, was that just two? I'm on yeah. three. Yeah, I was like, okay. wait, step three. Sorry. Sorry, step three. Okay, emotional awareness. When I say that, what do you think? What comes to you when I say emotional awareness, Taylor? Hmm. When you say emotional awareness, I still feel like we're on the uh, rating schedule. Okay. So I'm okay. Okay. I'm glad because I feel like I'm like teaching you. I love this. So when I say emotional awareness, um, and, and it's, it's just a little bit more specific, a little bit deeper. So it's really more about like knowing how to name your emotions and identify feeling words. So a lot of times it's really, really hard to know what kind of emotions we're having specifically when we're in such a state of fight or flight. Like all we know is like the word anxious. Oh my God, I feel anxious. I feel anxious. Actually though, there are a lot of other feelings happening to you in this moment. So like what are the actual feeling words? Like are you scared? Are you worried? Are you sad about something? Are you feeling hurt? Are you feeling frustrated? Um, you know, maybe angry. you're feeling sick. Yeah, maybe you're angry. You know, there could be a lot of things. Now, those are more negative emotions. You could obviously be feeling happy and excited and like proud or something else. Um, a big one with the excited. Um, I actually just found out recently excited and anxious create the same bodily sensations in our body. And a lot of people who are more anxious, they have a hard time when they feel that excited feeling to to determine if it's anxiety or am I just excited? Because the, when you're excited, your body kind of does some of the things that it does when it's anxious. So 
rather like if you're going on a trip, you know, you might be more excited about the trip than you realize, but you're feeling that that excitement isn't, you're mistaking it as anxiety. So telling yourself like when you're getting on the flight, I'm so excited for this trip. I'm feeling excited. I did that my yeah. last trip and it really helped me. It's like, okay, I'm excited right now. I'm not, I'm I'm feeling these sensations in my body that have felt like anxiety before, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. right now this is excitement and I'm very yeah. excited for this trip. And so that's why I feel jittery and my heart might be racing a little bit more because I'm excited. Yes. Well, and that's going to, we're going to get into, um, into recognizing thought patterns. That's the next step. And that's actually what you're kind of talking about is like thinking, right? You're You're not sure what the feeling is. So like making, like reframing the way that you're thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. If it's, if you're thinking you're feeling nervous, your thoughts might be like, oh my gosh, what if this happens? What if this happens? Oh my gosh, you know, all this stuff. But if you're feeling, if you're feeling excited, your thought patterns might be, wow, I can't wait to do this when we get there. Or this is going to be a fun time, you know, your thought <laughs> patterns. So we'll get into, into that one, um, you know, the next step, but That's all that you're right. That goes into emotional awareness though, right? So being able to really identify using feeling words. So like naming your emotions, okay? So start by just noticing different emotions as you feel them and then give the emotion a name. So try using an I statement such as I feel and then put the feeling word. I feel sad. I feel scared, right? I feel mad Um, and really get to know them. Okay, there's a list of feeling words um, in my book. There's a, I mean, there's so many different feeling words that mean the same thing. Um, But it's really good to expand your emotional vocabulary. Really, really good to start recognizing, like, hold on, you know, now everyone, not everyone, but some of you listening might have heard of like the um, iceberg example when you think of the, the feeling of anger, right? Because like, Anger is such a primary feeling that comes up for people um, initially when something, when they feel dysregulated. Um, But underneath that iceberg of anger, there's always secondary emotions, whether it's Mm -hmm. sad or hurt, stuff like that. So um, it's really good to keep a feelings journal, Um, really just taking a few minutes each day, write about how you feel and why, Um, you know, journal about your experiences and you know, your feelings and using the I statements again, that really builds your emotional awareness. Hi, healers. So I want to talk to you all today a little bit about one of our new sponsors named BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. So there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling services. And let's be honest, if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I really love BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online and is available all around the world. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in many different areas of mental health. BetterHelp makes it so easy to log into your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You will get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you'd like. As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs the very first try, so BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches, and if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there is no charge at all to change counselors if you ever need to, which is amazing. There's also financial aid available to anyone who's looking for payment options. Here is what one of the BetterHelp clients actually said about their counselor, which I thought was just so amazing. Ashley is an excellent therapist. I wish everyone I know could get support they need from her. She constantly provides great insights, shares helpful tools, and validates my feelings and experiences in a way that has helped me heal and improve my life in a tangible way. She is responsive, kind, and engaging. 
everything you would hope a therapist would be. So that is so amazing. People are really loving their counselors at BetterHelp. And we actually have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners and healers today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month. Just visit betterhelp.com slash anxietychicks. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an, ex- with an experienced counselor today. Um, okay, and so step four is recognizing thought patterns. So this is like what you were talking about before, right? Like seeing like how we can now... This is actually kind of like the, a difficult part of this, and this is this is this step. I definitely recommend doing with like a therapist or a coach. Um, I, you know, I'm trained in CBT and cognitive behavioral therapy, and so <laughs> the basis of CBT is to um, identify our thought patterns and become aware of our thought patterns and which ones are connected to certain emotions. Um, and how we can kind of rewire the way that we think um, and how that affects the way we feel um, and also identifying our triggers and what situations happen to kind of create this thinking pattern and these intrusive thoughts. Um, So learning more about CBT or if you are seeing a therapist who maybe you don't know even specializes in that, maybe just ask about it, inquire about it, see what they think. Um, It could be it's going to be really, really helpful for you to start looking deep into the thought patterns you have when it comes to anxiety. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, have you ever done like, have you done like CBT or anything or have you done? I just, I feel like I kind of like learned that on my own a little bit and just like really looked into my thoughts and wrote them out and realized that my thought patterns need, and then learning to reframe them. So like I noticed a pattern with my thoughts. I'm I'm extremely self-aware. So I think that's really big is And I mean, just the amount of time and years I've spent working on my anxiety, you know? So after a while, you start to learn when you really want it and you really want to get better, you recognize things and you recognize where, what sends you to a certain spot and what doesn't. So like a certain thought for me would be like, um, if I see something happening to someone on Facebook, like that's my age, having that thought pattern afterwards, I have to reframe that like, okay, this is a news article because it's so rare. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like when we see those headlines on the news, it's a news article because it's rare. People die from heart attacks every day. We don't see Billy died from a heart attack in Pennsylvania, some random person, right? Because it it is a not not rare thing, especially when you're older, right? But you see those rare things of like younger people on all the time. So when I see that, reframing that thought that I usually have of, oh gosh, well, what if I, you know, dot, dot, dot. Yes. Yes. And so, so a lot of what you're describing as far as like the thoughts, the thought patterns that create the anxiety, um, there, there's a number of irrational thought patterns that we have that are called cognitive distortions Mm -hmm. in the CBT world. That's what we call them. Um, and they're, basically thought patterns that are present in any anxiety-provoking situation. So they're like error types of distorted thoughts. Um, You might have heard of them before. I'm not going to go through the entire list of them, but you can find them, you know, in my book or you can find them online. Um, And there's probably like, I don't know, about 15 of them. Two or three of them that are very, very common for people with anxiety. One is catastrophizing. So imagining and believing that the worst possible outcome will will happen So for example, I will never get through this. I did horrible in that interview and we'll never get another job. A lot of like absolutes, right? And saying Mm -hmm. this is the worst thing that's thinking. Yes. Yes. Um, The other very common 
cognitive distortions that I hear in my practice and just in general are jumping to conclusions. So interpreting the meaning of a situation with little or no evidence. And two examples of that is something called mind reading, which is believing that you know what the, what other people are thinking with no sufficient evidence. For example, she wouldn't go on a date with me. With me. She probably thinks I'm ugly, right? That's yeah. mind reading. And then fortune telling, which is expecting a situation will turn out badly without adequate evidence. For example, the plane I'm about to get on will crash, or I will fail this interview, or I will get sick at this party, right? That's all like trying to predict the future, and you have no evidence that that's going to happen. And then one more also is the what ifs. So you keep asking a series of questions about what if something happens and you fail to be satisfied with any of the answers. So what if I get anxious or what if I can't catch my breath? All of these types of thoughts are going to create feelings of fear, right? Being scared or being worried. All of those thoughts are going to send you into a tailspin. So being able to kind of find patterns to your intrusive thoughts and then like you said rewire the brain and reframe and really challenge the way that you're thinking so like <laughs> so like um the fortune telling right i will fail this interview okay what evidence do you have that you're going to fail it right like tell me why why okay like evidence and we're talking about evidence like what's evidence to a police not feelings policeman. Yeah, evidence, like facts like evidence someone or literally facts. said yes. you're not going to get this job yes. someone literally wrote it down yes. or you found a piece of paper on a desk yeah. yes yes or you're going to fail it yes and and what does even failure mean right that's like right subjective so like um being able to kind of challenge that and say okay what what is it okay why won't I fail this interview, right? What what kinds of ways, what kind of ways can I go into this interview where I might not fail, right? Mm-hmm. What might what might happen differently? What might I do differently? And what is it about the failure, right? And this goes into like the psychology of it, but like what is it about the failure that scares you, right? Like why do you have that belief about yourself? Because um, there's, again, CBT I didn't mention, but like there's core beliefs that we have um, and and that ties into a lot of these distortions. Um, so again, this is kind of a heavy step because um, CBT, you know, that's that, that that's a very scientifically based, uh, obviously, psychological treatment. So, um, you know, I would recommend if you're interested in that and you are struggling with with generalized anxiety or any other type of anxiety disorders, that that can be really effective. It's not for everybody. Everyone's treatment's different. Um, but it has the research has shown how effective it is um, in treating anxiety disorders. So, um, okay, step five. Do you have any more about anything else about CBT or anything? No, no, I think that's all good. Yeah. Okay. Step I think there's five. also like a lot of sorry, sorry. No, I yeah. think there's also like a lot of really good YouTube videos. Yes. Really good YouTube videos. There's some like amazing like. If you need to, there's even like YouTube videos on reframing a thought, like helping Mm -hmm. you when you're in that moment. So like, say you're having like obsessive thoughts going to YouTube and like typing in like, help me how to reframe a thought and then like doing it with them kind of like step Mm -hmm. by step. Really, really helpful. Yeah. It's all about practicing it too. Like Uh it's not something you can just do one. You have to really just make it a practice. Learning. Um, Yeah. Learning how to do it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, like that's part of like the educate yourself part too, right? Like you can go. Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing about the internet these days. You know, yeah, you can literally you can really just learn so much about it. And there's a lot of amazing books too that that you can yes. read that are that talk a lot about about that. Um, okay, so identifying your trigger is step five. Um, and we talked a little bit about this earlier it's about like looking at triggers um sometimes this is this is really hard to do i how do you feel like it is for you can you are you pretty much able to identify them now or like because i know you've worked hard on things yeah like because it's all health it's all health related mm-hmm. so it's like 
okay, you you know reading that arg- you know that clicking into that article you saw is going to trigger you, so why mm-hmm. are you clicking it? And then just like engaging in Google trigger, um, checking vitals, why are you doing that? Stuff like that. So yeah, definitely with the health anxiety, it's more like health things and recognizing that you're also going to find you're more interested in it. Like you say like, oh, I'm just like interested. No, that's you looking for control. Mm, interesting. Like people who who read a lot of like health articles yeah. are like, I'm uh-huh. just like interested in like prevention. It's like, no, you're interested in control. Yeah. So true. Well, and so basically once we're able to identify what people, events, or situations <clears throat> create an intense fear in our mind, we're then able to identify the source of our anxiety. So a number of things that may trigger our anxiety include, I'm just going to name a couple of them. I have a whole list in my book, but some some uh, ones that I've heard multiple times are large crowds, um, people's home life, like family dynamics, um, trauma, fear of failure, fear of dying, trying new things, meeting new people, finances, fear of being alone, illness, thoughts of the future. So see these are just these are just some some triggers that have been kind of identified that are pretty pretty common. Um, and although you know this is a good list to start with, it's really up to you to look deeper into the thoughts that could be related to these fears. This will help you to become familiar with your triggers and what types of intrusive thoughts can be connected to them. So remember, you know, we have these fears of something, but there's always thoughts connected to those fears. And that's what's driving the anxiety is these really intense intrusive thoughts we have. Okay. Anything else on triggers? I know that was kind of a short one. There's some more information. Um, in my book. And, you know, like I said, educate yourself as much as you want. Um, and also just remember too, like the more that you rate yourself and you're, and you're really um, making it a habit every day to do it three times a day, you'll start becoming way more aware of what your triggers are by knowing what your rating is. Mm-hmm. Like you'll be Absolutely. able to say, wow, I just had this earlier today and that's why I'm like a seven, you know, like, so. Right. Okay, the next best step is creating the healing toolkit. Okay. <laughs> so I'm so excited for this one because this is basically what my entire book is about. It's it's how to create the toolkit, what tools work best for you. Um I'm, you know, I'll give you obviously just a couple examples of things I'm not going to have time to just read everything. Um but now that you know more about, you know, like your own thought patterns, right? Say you're kind of like on the step. Now that you know more about your thought patterns, your triggers, and like your emotional vocabulary, it's time to kind of create your healing toolkit and know what works best for you. And the cool thing is, is in my book, chapter nine is basically dedicated to actually, it gives you space to write your healing toolkit out. Um so like I give my example and then it gives you uh, like a couple pages of space to write like what kind of exercises and strategies work best for you. So you basically have in this book, you know, you can go to this, you know, any when you wake up and say you're at like a four, you can go to this and say, you know what, I want to try this right now. I want to do this right now. I feel like I need some extra support. Um, and so it gives you kind of like a step-by-step process and provides instruction on how to create a recovery plan specific to your healing journey. And it it's 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 really more about like trial and error sometimes too with some of these exercises. Um, like even for me still, like I'm trying new things all the time um, and new approaches. Um, do you feel like you have like a pretty good toolkit? What do you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I think I have it down to like a a T now. Okay. But, Can it, you but it, took a lot of, it, it took a lot of time. Like 
I always, I told people when I first started my Instagram page, and I think this is why I kind of started my Instagram page is because I felt like I was told all these things by doctors and like, you have to do this if you want to get better. You have to do this. You have to take this route. And I think my biggest thing to people is like, no, you don't. Uh, you don't have to do the things that people tell you you do. You can try them if if you feel led to, but you don't yeah. have to. And that's not the only way to healing. And I yeah. think I was so defeated in the beginning because I felt that was the only way I could get better because it's all I knew. And then mm. once I started educating myself on all the other things that are available to us and that are tangible and how there's so many routes to healing and not everybody is going to do the same thing to get better. When I mm-hmm. finally, like that finally clicked in my head, it felt I had hope and it felt like I was more that's when I feel like my my healing journey began because I finally was like, okay, I don't have to do what they said. Because mm-hmm. a lot of you guys know if you follow me, like the medication issues that I had with ADHD medication and birth control in the past led to me being extremely fearful of trying another prescription pill. And I felt like when I went to the doctor, that's all they wanted to give me. Some people, they that's their way to healing, right? But for me, it wasn't. It was like, that was like so terrorizing to me. Like I actually felt my heart racing when they told me I had to do that. And so I kind of left there like, if I'm not going to take this pill, I'm not going to get better and my life is over. And I lived in that for like a year. And then I found, I don't know who it was. I landed on some Instagram page talking about like other things. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'll try it. Right. And so I made a list of all these things I've told myself, what do I, what have I read that can help anxiety? And I'm going to make myself try two things every, for a week, every two weeks, I was going to take two things and I was going to, at the end of trialing them, either cross it off or put a check mark by it. And when I cross it off, that means, you know, Hey, it wasn't for me. It didn't really work. Um, And then if it did work, putting a check mark by it and adding that to my toolkit. So for me, at first, I hated uh, meditation I because I was doing the wrong kind. I was doing this like yes. kind of like what I thought meditation was. Yeah. Meditation can be even just like meditating on like happiness, like just mm-hmm. feeling gratitude, sitting outside and being like, I just love the feeling of fresh air hitting my skin and the sunlight giving me the vitamin D I need to optimize good health and like my feet in this grass, feeling this earth that has given me so much uh, peace and that I'm able to put my feet in the grass. I feel so grateful to be able to move my feet. So that's what meditation looks like for me is like kind of just like taking that time to express gratitude, not meditating on anything. So like I literally thought it was like home, like doing that and like, right. It doesn't have to be like that. So this is kind of like some of the things that I have written down before we started this. And it's, uh, Daily meditation with breath work. I have this uh, HyperRice device that like vibrates and it actually measures your HRV during your meditation. And it shows you how you progressed from the beginning of the meditation uh, to the end. And it helps you with the breath work because it, oops, it vibrates and it does this like in and out sensation, which for me, I am a competitive person. And so finding that like, I like this device that helps shows me I'm getting better. I really mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah. that that's great for the meditation and breath work. Good. That's part and of the toolkit. I love it. Journaling, especially mm-hmm. symptoms with health anxiety. It, mm-hmm. Very, very, very important. I put this off for so long. But if you're writing down your symptoms from two years ago that you were worried about your heart palpitations and you're still having the same ones, a real heart issue isn't the same in two years. It is progressively worse and there's other things. So like recognizing that is huge for me. Like I have had these PVCs my whole life and I'm still here and everything's fine. So like reflecting, recognizing, very important. Um, I've taken CBD for five years now, super helpful for me. There's a lot of other studies on ashwagandha, L-theanine, St. John's worth, GABA, SAMI, definitely looking into those if you're looking for a more holistic approach to things. Um, walking in fresh air and any type of daily movement. Right now, if you're following me on Instagram, you know that like I'm really into pickleball. When I'm playing pickleball, I am not thinking about any type of anxiety, any type of stress. It has been the best hobby for me right now. 
And I love finding new hobbies too. So like if you follow me, you know, every couple of months I'll get into something new. I've done boxing, Pilates, cycling, uh, running, just a lot of different things. I like to like switch it up and I like to master those things. And it's, it's my hobby. And it also provides daily movement, which is so good for our lymph nodes, our uh, gut health, just getting your blood flowing, pumping that oxygenated blood throughout the body. So healing, getting those dopamine mm-hmm. receptors really working. Um, some type of therapy, needing to talk things out and looking at your thoughts, patterns from a different angle and having a plan on how to change the patterns. First step is, you know, catching them and then like working through them with someone that can even be your best friend who, uh, just talk, telling them if you have someone you trust or like your husband or wife, uh, telling them these thought patterns and like, uh, really listening to an outsider, someone who doesn't experience anxiety, tell you like, Hey, that's not normal. Or like, Hey, that's, this is how my mind like sounds when I think of something like that. And this is how it looks like for me. That really helps uh, me is seeing like my husband, how he doesn't think like I do. And just seeing the difference really helps me realize, okay, you're being extremely irrational. And that really helps grab me back into a rational mindset. Uh, Like I said, joining a hobby, helping others. Helping others is really, it's something I learned that really gives me that joy in life. And yeah, you're not going to always make a ton of money or it's going to take time from your day, but it's all about the feeling you feel after after you help people. Allison, I know you feel this too. When you help people, it is the biggest, uh, for me, I feel like it's like a dopamine release. And I know that, that that fills my cup. And so I love helping people. That's a big thing. Um, planning exposures. I plan out exposures of things. I'm literally going to expose myself to things that I'm scared of because a lot of times we're scared of these things that aren't even scary, but we've created this fear around them because mm-hmm. we've avoided them for so long. And when you avoid things for so long, it's going to feel scary. But in reality, it's not a scary thing. And you just have to keep exposing yourself to that scary thing to take the power back from it. Next would be planning a worry time. So about like at 2.30 today, I'm going to plan 15 minutes to worry. And that's my time to worry today. I can worry about anything I want, but I can only do it at 2.30. Diet is huge. I have talked on this a lot. It is a big part. It's obviously, it's what I do in life. Um, And by diet, I don't mean weight loss and all that. I'm all about optimizing your health for your mind. So doing all that you can for your health to make sure you're balanced with nutrition, minerals, vitamins to live a healthy lifestyle through your mind. Um, catching your my breathing. Sometimes I recognize I breathe too fast. And so really catching that is huge for me. Optimizing my sleep. I've talked about this a ton. I am like a huge biohacker with sleep. I have found the perfect way to sleep. And it's kind of crazy. My sleep routine is crazy. I'm not going to lie to you, but I sleep great. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to come out about it. Uh, and then I cut out alcohol and I cut out toxic people in my life. That is what my healing toolkit. I love it. And it sounds like a lot, but it's not like I like sit every day and be like, okay, check. It's just kind of things that like, you know, you flow through the day and you know, I mean, honestly, like, like when you think if you if you have my book or if you get it like you'll see my tool my healing toolkit spans over four pages so yeah. no it seriously and I keep adding I keep adding yeah. to it because yeah. because I again this is something that you go to and pull from because uh-huh. every experience you have creates different type of stress yeah. and every type of experience that might be coming up like I know that there's certain um there's certain strategies that will help me more when I know I'm going to like a holiday party with like around people that are like mm-hmm. in my family. And I know certain strategies that I might need more in that moment versus like when I'm going to, you know, a networking event or I'm going on a date or like I'm feeling sick, right? All I have all mm-hmm. different strategies for each of those situations. And so, yes, your toolkit could be like 10 pages long. It doesn't matter. Like that's good. Um and so I, I love, I love, I love your, I mean, I, I would love to see other people's if you guys want to send know. me a DM, um, yeah. maybe we'll make like a post or like, we'll see, you know, um, other it'd people. Be cool. so many, it'd be cool what? if people shared them with us and then we like 
we read some people's on the podcast. Yeah. Just so people could see the variety. If they would want to be. Yes. Yes. I mean, let us know what you guys think. DM us and let us know. Because um, some people swear by medication too. Like some people swear that it has like, it has changed their life. And that's amazing too. That's a part of a lot of people's toolkit that I work with. Yeah. Of course. I know. Yeah. Someone messaged me once and they're like, you're anti-medication. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No. I'm like, it's Everyone's what, it's what helps the individual. Different. I just want to empower the people who have those fears like me of medications and like right now I have a cold and Allison was like, you didn't take anything, did you? And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. Um, but I will say that your anxiety healing toolkit should be a combination of approaches that elicit the relaxation response, behavioral activation skills, and a support system. These include deep abdominal breathing techniques, grounding strategies, visualization exercises, self-soothing items, books, apps, distraction ideas, movement exercises, therapeutic supports, and a lot more. So like just to, I'm not going to go over a lot of, of everything that's in mine. You can see it if you want to see it in the book, but um, like my healing toolkit includes like 10 different self-soothing items. Some are my weighted blanket, my dog, my journal, um, sitting in a hot tub, a heating pad. Then I have breathing techniques that I do that I love. Alternate nostril breathing is one of my favorite for square breathing. My support system includes, and these are all different categories in my toolkit. My support system is my sister, my parents. I have like four of my safe friends. And in I put safe in quotations because they're friends that I feel like I could go to any time that don't judge me, that are very much also um, calming to me. They're not going to have more anxiety than I am when I'm feeling anxious. <laughs> and also my therapist is part of my support system. Um, I have a whole list of coping statements that help me in moments. One is I am safe. Um, I take one step at a time. This will be over soon. You've gotten through this before. Um Meditations. I have specific meditations that I have in my toolkit that I love. Um, a lot of them are on, are on Insight Timer, which is my favorite. Not an ad, not sponsored, but Insight Timer is literally my favorite uh, meditation app. Um, visualization exercises. I provide five different of my favorite visualizations exercises in the book. Um, my favorite is one called My Happy Place. I actually did a meditation on the podcast. I forget which one I did. Maybe the beach. Then supplements is another category. I take vitamin D. I take CBD oil. I take collagen. I take magnesium. Um, I listen to a bunch of apps that make me feel better. I listen to videos sometimes or I watch videos if I'm feeling anxious. For when I'm feeling sick, sometimes I'll watch EFT uh, tapping videos. I don't know if you guys know about tapping. I talk all about it in my book. I'll keep saying that. This person that thinks I talk about myself is going to be like, <laughs> I bought your book. Um, but EFT tapping is amazing. Um, I have a bunch of books that I that are in my – literally, this is my my healing tool. tool. It is huge. I have podcasts and audiobooks. I have distraction ideas, sleep hygiene, grounding tools, exercises, yoga, acupuncture. And then um, I have a whole chapter about like two-minute relief tools that are really good when you are feeling more like above a five or a six. And they're really, really calming for my nervous system. My brain isn't really functioning rationally at that moment, but I just need my body to relax. And one of the best things I use is progressive muscle relaxation. It's huge for me and also cold water and ice. Um, and I also do um, – music is really therapeutic for me. So I'll like put on some calming music. So – that was like in a nutshell, like it didn't even say one one quarter of like what my healing toolkit was, but that's essentially part of what it is. But that is, so that's, and, and that's the stuff I include in my book, you guys, my, my chapter, and I'm sorry, I keep like saying this, but, but the whole point of like create the creating what I wrote was because I actually didn't know how to create a toolkit and I did it myself. And I was like, I can't believe this worked for me. I had like five folders of different things that I had printed out from my from my computer that consisted of like breathing exercises and um, visualization exercises, like distract all the stuff that I just named. I had like all of these worksheets that I and things that I had practiced, and I was like, I wish I had this in one place where I could actually <laughs> reference 
So all of these things, because I know I can't remember every single thing that I used to do. And I wish I could just like reference something to remember the things that I use that help me. And that's basically what this is. So I, um, I mean, liter- literally, I use it every day for myself, the, the book, because it's what has helped me regulate myself so much. Um, and so you're right. It is about like making these these exercises and strategies habit um, mm-hmm. and not just saying, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm at a five or a six or a seven. I'm going to whip out my book. I mean, you can if you want, but it's really more about creating a habit of all of these and then knowing what your toolkit is and going to like whatever page this is in the book, um, you know, going to your actual healing toolkit in the book, like page 156 and like knowing like you have a guide. Okay. Yes. I think I need to call my sister right now, or I think Mm -hmm. I really need to try this progressive muscle relaxation because my body is really dysregulated or I need to do some alternate nostril breathing. It is, it just is, it's so, it's so helpful. And I really hope that this episode is what everyone was looking for when they requested it, because I, I just feel like this is literally my journey of what I've experienced in healing my own anxiety that I've had for years and years and years. And it sounds like this is so similar to what you've done too, even though you <laughs> actually you uh, did it. You haven't like read my book, but like you really have like done this journey kind of yourself, which is awesome, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I hope that this is kind but of But it, it didn't look like that years ago. So like anybody who's listening who's like, yeah, yeah she just got it so quick, like on her own, but it, <laughs> you should go back like six years ago and see how uh, lost puppy I was. I feel you. Me too, girl. I mean, not even six years ago. I've had anxiety since I was a little girl and I just didn't <laughs> even know what it was. You know, I, I, yeah. And, I, I mean, more like the panic disorder, like when I was like agoraphobic, like. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I never, yeah, I never had like panic disorder. Yeah, that must. That is so debilitating. So I feel for anyone that goes through that. But just know, with Taylor's story, you could totally get through that and recover. And um, if you guys have any questions about like the toolkit, or if about kind of you know more in depth specific questions about the book, or like what if you have any recommendations for like our community about what healing tools maybe, you know, have really worked for you that are maybe just like kind of outside of the box. Cause I think that's the best thing is like being able to recognize that there's things that work for you that Mm -hmm. you wouldn't even think of, you know, that could Mm -hmm. be so healing and that could be so helpful for other people too. So I feel like I talked so much. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. You're very helpful, Allison. You're helping so many people. Oh my gosh. Go buy Allison's book and yes. we'll talk to you guys next week. Send us podcast topics. We want to talk about all the things you want to know about. Um, you also brought up a great point when you said acupuncture. I want to get someone on here to talk about acupuncture. Yes. Yes. I, I have. Cool. Um, I actually am going to an appointment today. I'm going to my person today and I was going to talk to her about it. Um huh. But yeah, I think there's there's a couple people I know too that that we can see. If anyone you know is an acupuncturist and wants to message us, feel free. <laughs> um, uh, but we are actually going to have we have. I'm so excited about the people we have coming on to our podcast. Yes. You guys are going to love them. If you love, love our podcast, please leave us a good review. We got a few bad reviews, and we're not going to sweat over it. But <laughs> it means the world if you leave us a good review and help us to keep going. We're trying yes. our best to help everybody, and we hope we're helping people. So yeah, talk to you guys too. next week. Love Hi. you guys. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.